Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Modern Energy Management Podcast. This is a podcast for energy, sustainability, and facilities innovators to share their stories of modern energy management at their organizations. My name is Amber Artrip, and I'm your producer and host of the show, and I'm happy to be joined here by my co-host, Nate Nillis. Thanks, Amber. I'm excited to be back. Welcome back. We missed you last week. I know, but a podcast sounded great. You may not need me, so I better bring my A game. <laughs> and um, of course, we always bring a guest for you on these episodes. And today we're pleased to be joined by Jim Simon, who is the Director of Sustainability at Gonzaga University. Did I say that right, Jim? You said it right. <laughs> I know a lot of people say it wrong. I tried really hard. <laughs> oh, good job. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So Jim, I know I'm really excited to have you on the podcast. We've, we've had the opportunity to meet a couple of times and I must say probably the best dressed, uh, you know, head of sustainability that we work with. You're always looking sharp. Oh, I appreciate that. Same to you. You guys uh, bring it with the uh, Bay Area, Portland uh, A-game. Uh, I love it. I, I just need to, you know, I need to up my A-game on the LinkedIn photo, <clears throat> get some style tips from you, but I love it. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of, you know, reading up on Gonzaga and the role. Um, you know, I know the director of sustainability role was, in my understanding, the first position of its type ever at Gonzaga. And you've done a lot in the space. So I would love for you to share with everyone, you know, how you got into sustainability. Uh, I know it was at Buffalo, but, you know, your role at Gonzaga and just get them up to speed on what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had, a, I had a good chance to, to think about this yesterday. I had a, a nice student uh, interview uh, about kind of origin stories uh, around getting involved in sustainability. Um, and what I told the student is, um, you know, I, I started out, I grew up um, back east and grew up with my dad and my grandfather having a pretty strong um, ethic of care for the land. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up with um, some property in my family, an old Christmas tree farm. So I grew up going there, um, you know, checking the bluebird boxes and just walking the property, spending time up there with my family. And, you know, did the Eagle Scout thing um, and then just went into college and knew that I wanted to do something uh, around the environment. Um, and it was just a few weeks into my first um, semester uh, at school. Um, I uh, hopped in a car with um, someone who turned out to be a, a really good friend later on in life and we drove down to the Allegheny National Forest and for a, a gathering of, of different forest protectors and we got in our tents went to bed um, it was dark um, obviously and woke up the next morning got out of the tent and was surrounded by uh, trees that had red X's all over them and I was like well that's what? terrifying yes well, yes, it sounds like the beginning of a uh, horror film, uh, <laughs> horror film. Um, and in a way it, 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 you could consider it that way. Um, and I asked what's, what's up with all these red X's and they said, uh, all these trees are going to be cut down. So in that moment I had this, this kind of, um, kind of Genesis moment was, I want to do something about this. And so that started kind of my path towards an environmental studies degree, um, environmental environmental policy master's degree. I was lucky enough to work in an office of sustainability at my alma mater um, for a number of years. 
and then just was looking for a change and uh, found that um, in, in Gonzaga University and came out uh, west to, to start that journey. And just right off the bat, um, noticed that Gonzaga um, has kind of the benefit of having a, a care for the planet, a care for um, you know what's around us in its mission statement. And so I was able to really rest in that and, and use that as a backstop for a lot of the work that I wanted to get started there. And kind of fast forward um, about five years, um, been able to implement a lot of good work around energy, around transportation, about waste reduction, um, just like other campuses are doing across the country. So it's been uh, an exciting journey. Hey, Jim, I'd love to touch on the one piece you mentioned about the mission statement. So again, I'll, I'll read it verbatim, but I thought it was interesting. You know, it says that in, in keeping with our Jesuit, Catholic, and humanistic mission, Gonzaga University takes seriously its solemn responsibility to safeguard the integrity of our natural world for present and future generations and is committed to being a leader and responsible environmental stewardship. Pretty powerful statement. And and before you went to Gonzaga, which pieces in there resonate with you? Is that, you know, kind of from, from being a kid on both mission, religion, you know, what was the fit? Um, I think I just, I think just having, so I came from a big public research institution where it was about um, research teaching public service. So all of a sudden, when you are offered that chance to not just think about those deliverables, but um, about how can we help our planet flourish. Um, we talk about here at, at Gonzaga and other Jesuit institutions about cura personalis, about the whole person. And so if you think about um, kind of that, we're trying to create people and leaders for and with others, whether that's students, that's employees, or um, in our community. And if we can um, impart that change um, around kind of how people interact with the planet, um, that just really jumped out at me. And how many other institutions um, have such a bold statement about um, caring for the earth in their mission statement. I think it's really profound um, and it, it's really um, uh, need to reflect on on an everyday basis. It's really instilled in the culture of Gonzaga from, yeah. the, from the get-go. That's really Where? Great. Where is that? Gonzaga? Gonzaga, <laughs> dang it! <laughs> Gonzaga. <laughs> By the end of the podcast, we'll all get it right. <laughs> yes. There will be a quiz at the end. <laughs> Well, so, you know, this, this show is about modern energy management and a lot of your work is around sustainability. How important is energy um, in your program that you're running at Gonzaga? Yeah, if you were to look at our uh, greenhouse gas emissions profile, and I think it's like this for many other institutions, um, probably about 60% or more of our um, greenhouse gas profile is from energy use. So, um, you know, burning natural gas or um, running electrons through um, wires on campus to keep things lit and heated. And so that's a big, big piece of it. And as we know, um, we can address supply and we can address demand. Um, the state of Washington recently passed some legislation that's going to accelerate the um, greenness or the sustainability of our uh, supply. Um, 
but that demand piece is really um, kind of another nut to crack. Um, and to do that, I think as um, our public um, changes and our public is our staff, our faculty and our students, um, there's a, a need for kind of visualization and seeing things that you can't see um, just on an everyday basis, so energy. So being able to, to visualize um, your energy use is really, um, I think, something that people grab onto. And I think when you're trying to inspire people to make changes um, in their lives, they want to know how they're doing and they want to know if they're doing better than someone else. So that's where like competitions come into play. Um, so I think energy is, is really uh, a big part of how we do sustainability on campus. And it's gonna be that way um, regardless of where our energy is coming from, whether it's a coal plant or um, solar panels, we want to really hone in on um, using less and reducing waste and maximizing our um, expenditures there. Definitely. And I think we love working with you because you have really tapped into the behavior aspect of the students and staff at um, your university. So do you want to share with us a little bit about some of your tactics and stories you have from how you engage the culture of the, of the university? Yeah. So going back a couple of years ago when, when Lucid was still doing campus conservation nationals, we kind of put our, our hat in the ring there um, in the way that we kind of pitched it was, um, it's kind of funny now, is we recreated um, some popular memes at the time with me at the center of them. So the idea was um, Gonzaga is a very uh, relational place. So it's small. Um, it's not as small as other schools. It's not as big as others, as, as some schools. Um, but you, it's, it's really about people and relationships with people and um, you know, I'll walk to a meeting and it'll take me an extra five minutes because people are stopping and talking and catching up. Um, so with that in mind, um, and some with some reluctance from me because it's just who I am, we put me as front and center of, of that campaign um, because at that point, um, A, not everyone knew that there was a director of sustainability and this was an easy way to do it. And I think we'd never tried something like this before of kind of uh, almost lampooning yourself. So we created memes, um, um, you know, kind of recreated popular memes with me at the center piece of them around energy conservation, um, you know, turning lights off um, and, and all the, the normal things that we'd want to do in a, a energy reduction campaign. And I think we ended up placing third um, nationally, I think, um, because we maybe had more engagement than we would have otherwise. Um, so I think that the takeaway there is just thinking about your audience. And in the case of Gonzaga, um, it was a, just a really good opportunity to think of how can we tap into that relational spirit of our university. And it, it seemed to work. That's awesome. Were you able to quantify the results of those competitions at all? Yeah, so we um, used um, Building OS to um, kind of see what those competitions did in terms of um, dollar savings. 
Um, and I was able to easily just kind of bring up the competition page and show, you know, where was my supervisor at the time, look what this did. And um, now I don't know if anything exactly came of that, but I think it was compelling to be able to show with very um, a great amount of ease um, what an effort led to. And I think that's, um, I think in the world of sustainability, it's hard to quantify everything. Um, and we're in an age where things need to be quantified to, to make business decisions. And so it was uh, refreshing to be able to have uh, the ability to just bring up that page to show you know, our dashboards, our you know, landing pages that we made uh, in building OS um, and, and show the results right away. Yeah, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head and we see it all the time. It's uh, making it easy to communicate, you know, all of the great things that you guys are doing. And it's tough sometimes. It gets lost in, in many aspects of life. But uh, if you're able to do that quickly, uh, you know, it can help get more investment, get more people interested. Jim, I saw early February uh, Gonzaga had won a, a clean air award. And I was looking through that and it was kind of interesting. I mean, it was a huge... Um, you know, savings. I think they had mentioned that uh, you guys had been growing uh, in square footage about 23%, but yet you uh, were able to uh, drop <clears throat> consumption uh, by almost 27%. I think it was electric and gas. Uh, and there was a few things, right? Capital expense pieces with different boilers. I think you guys did some LED retrofits, um, some standardization on new construction. How much of that, do you get involved in all of those aspects as well uh, as some of the behavioral chain, change in the GHG reporting and all that? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Nate. Um, I think what I've learned in my years in higher ed sustainability is to know when to stay in my lane. And um, I am not an engineer, um, but I think what, one thing that I'm, I'm proud of and is probably a, a skill um, that I have is that I'm, I'm good at listening to engineers and trying to um, kind of channel and translate the passion that they inherently have for what they do. Um, I've never met an engineer that wants to make a building run um, inefficiently. Um, and so it's really, for me, about tapping into that kind of inherent desire to do better um, and to make the buildings and the spaces they're responsible for um, just perform at their best and then infuse that with kind of that ethic of sustainability. Um, because the truth of it is that the good work that's happening now and that was recognized with that award has been happening for years. And it just hasn't been celebrated in the same way. And so I see myself as like the chief celebration officer of their work. Um, so, you know, the fact that we were able to get, um, you know, a picture with those folks or to get quotes from them in the um, art or the, you know, the press release, um, that's the stuff that I, I try to draw out because it's really important and they do such amazing work and it needs to be recognized. So I guess to, to summarize, um, I know where I can have a positive role and I don't try to get in the middle of, you know, the calculations and the, um, you know, the HVAC stuff. Cause I just don't know it uh, to the level that they do. And they're the ones that are the experts in it. No, that makes a lot of sense. If you come across any CCO roles, chief celebration officer, 
I think Amber and I are both in for that. That would be awesome. I love that. I love that. <laughs> but, I, but I think you're right. Um, you know, we talk to a lot of people on the communication breakdown, it seems, between sustainability and facilities sometimes can be <clears throat> significant. And I like your, you know, uh, view of, of kind of being that champion to listen to them and, and help make them look good or celebrate the story or the wins of all the really cool things they're doing because sometimes they get lost when they're doing day-to-day firefighting. And so it allows you to come in there and, and really be an advocate for them. And I think that is a, a good message for everyone that listens to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So Amber, did you want to talk about Aishi a little bit? I know, yeah. I know there's some passion on that for the upcoming event with uh, Jim and team. Yeah. So by the time this episode launches, it will be about a week before Aishi. Um, which is the sustainability event of the year for all of our higher ed um, sustainability friends. And I actually met Jim for the first time at Aishi back in 2016 or 2017. I can't remember. Um, but you're an Aishi veteran, would you say, Jim? I would say that, yeah. I've been going to Aishi every year of my professional sustainability um, career. So, um, I think my first one might have been Denver, um, maybe even before that. But um, yeah, I've been going to Aishi for a while, and it's uh, definitely a highlight of my year um, and my uh, continuing education. Well, what are you looking forward to the most uh, for this year's event? Um, well, I think what's really neat about this year's event is that Aishi is in Spokane, which is the um, second largest city in the state of Washington and the home of Gonzaga University. So, well, that's we- convenient. Yes. Um, so able to save some funds and not traveling, um, but really excited to welcome friends and colleagues to uh, Spokane and kind of show off uh, some of the things that we've been doing um, as a community and as a campus within the community. Um, and I think in addition to not having to necessarily travel very far, uh, the thing about ACB being in town is that we're able to um, kind of support and um, shepherd more students and staff and, and faculty to attend the conference. So I think we'll have around 18 people from Gonzaga attending, which is really exciting uh, to, to, to have because we'll have um, that many people immersed in the conversations and the networking and the learning, and they can bring it right back across the river to our campus. I know I'm excited about it. Having uh, gone to Washington State and family that have gone to Gonzaga, I love the Palouse. I love Spokane area. So it'll be, it'll be neat to be back there. It's been a while for me. For those sustainability and energy professionals uh, at higher education that may not be attending Aishi, Jim, what would you share with them that would get them excited about why they should? Good question. Um, I think Aishi to me is, is the place to connect with. Um, we're a small community, kind of higher ed sustainability professionals. Um, there's a lot of kind of memes that define us. We're often, um, you know, kind of type A. We do a lot with a little. Um, and it's really nice to connect in person and kind of share best practices, um, kind of share frustrations, issues but also celebrate the good work that's being done. Um, I think it's, it's neat to see where um, 
the pain points are in our industry. It's neat to see what's next. Um, you could start to see that a couple of years ago with the UN Sustainable Development Goals starting to bubble up in presentations and then them being such a, a centerpiece, I think, of last year's conference and then, you know, watching them become uh, such an important part of um, HE STARS um, and that assessment system. So I think it's it's the kind of the state of the industry when it comes to, to um, higher ed sustainability, uh, and it's fun to to kind of track that. It's always a great show for that purpose of connecting with other folks who are passionate about sustainability in higher ed, as well as students. I thought that was probably the coolest part for me was to connect with the students and feel their passion for uh, the climate crisis and what they can do about it. And it's it's always inspiring for me to go to Aishi. Yeah, the Student Summit on Sunday is always a highlight to have those students um, at the summit and then at the opening um, event. And then uh, I think there's always a good percentage of students that stick around or even just come for the entire conference. It's great Such to see. Such a great learning opportunity for them too. Yeah, they are our future. Absolutely. And since uh, Aishi is in Washington this year, we actually asked Jim for where we always host a happy hour for our customers and, and our friends in, in the industry. So Jim helped us pick the place. Where, where are we going this year, Jim? Going to Durkin's Liquor Bar in downtown Spokane. And that's right. I think you're <laughs> taking over the basement. called the Liquor Barn. That's impressive. We're taking over the basement. That's right. Yeah. So anyone who's listening, if you're attending the event and you would like to learn more about how you can join us, meet Jim, meet all of us. Um, just uh, send us a note, marketing at lucidDG.com. So you talked a little bit, uh, Jim, about, you know, going to Aishi to kind of hear what the trends are going to be, what's next in sustainability for higher ed. Do you have any insight on what you think is next for our industry? So I think um, the theme of this year's conference is kind of a good indicator of where sustainability is going in higher ed. Um, I had a um, colleague um, who once said that great uh, universities need great cities and great cities need great universities. And so um, this year's theme is co-creating sustainable economies. And I think in so many ways, you can call it town-gown relations, um, but universities and colleges throughout the country are located somewhere and they can be participants in um, kind of, you know, label as an economy, um, the different ebbs and flows and, and, and activities in a community. So I had the fortune to go to um, on a uh, kind of an immersion trip with um, city and community uh, government and business leaders last year to Copenhagen, Denmark. And we had a chance to visit some really neat uh, places in Denmark uh, and we went to Kolenborg and for any of my Danish friends who are listening I probably butchered that um, but we were able to see how they um, kind of connected different industries that were in this kind of eco district and they um, took the waste steam from one facility and piped it down the road and turned it into energy for another facility and there might have been um, waste from the uh, um, uh, composting facility that they took the heat 
and turned it into energy for another facility. So you really created this really neat eco district. And uh, what was neat to see upon returning from this trip is that some of those learnings and opportunities that we, we gleaned from the trip are actually being applied in Spokane by people who are on the trip. So we have our uh, waste energy facility um, and there's conversations about turning that into kind of an eco district where the um, energy from that facility might power a facility that makes uh, something that can contribute to the renewables economy. Um, right across the river from uh, Gonzaga um, in the university district, we have uh, some buildings that are being constructed by uh, McKinstry that are made of um, cross-laminated timber. Um, that was another thing that we really uh, picked up on that trip. So I think there are um, some opportunities to, to kind of transform that town-gown relationship kind of meme into how do we um, co-create those sustainable economies? How can we contribute to each other? How can we uh, enter into partnerships that um, create something bigger and better. Jim, I, I think the eco district is a really interesting concept. And, you know, I, I'm seeing more and more of the folks we're talking to, uh, especially on the higher ed side, um, become more involved with the cities, right, that they're in, in that kind of eco district mentality. I would imagine in, in Spokane, Gonzaga, hugely important, right, to the economy of, of that city. Uh, and, and the brand image of that city. How, how often are you guys connecting with the city and working on joint sustainability? Yeah, so just this past year, we piloted um, our first EPIC project. And EPIC stands for um, I think Educational Partnerships for Innovation in Communities. And so what EPIC does is it creates a platform for um, institutions to respond to the needs of a community. And in the case of this pilot, um, the community, so the city of Spokane, needed a greenhouse gas emissions inventory done. And so we had um, one of our Gonzaga um, School of Engineering and um, Applied Sciences uh, senior design um, projects take that um, very um, task upon themselves. And so they had a faculty member who, um, assisted them in doing a greenhouse gas emissions inventory for the city properties and then for the community as a whole. And um, it was neat because it was um, kind of a contract uh, was created. There was a fee for it. Um, one could argue that there might've been a uh, design firm or a planning firm that missed out on the opportunity because Gonzaga was able to come in for maybe a different um, cost structure. But that's not the point of the whole thing. The point is to um, give that experience to students so that they can then go forth and do it in their professional lives and to create those synergies and those uh, um, co-creation opportunities to the students, to the faculty, and to the community. Um, so it was, a, it was a really successful event. And I see how the results of that emissions inventory is being used um, probably on a daily basis. That's really awesome, Jim. Well, um, do you have anything else that you would like to share with our audience before we wrap this thing up? 
Um, if you're coming to Aishi, um, make the most of it. Um, I think in the past, I spent a lot of time kind of picking out the exact sessions I was going to go to as I've uh, kind of spent more time at the conference. Um, I kind of just um, follow where, you know, where I think um, I should be. That maybe sounds a little esoteric, um, but I think the opportunity to at Aishi is to connect with others. And, you know, there'll be those sessions where everyone's talking about it and they'll, you know, head that way. I, I did a little digging on what sessions um, I'm interested in. I'm excited for um, learning about next generation sustainability planning, um, about making a consistent sustainability brand. Um, there's a, a session um, being led or co-led by my good friend Jillian about sustainability offices of one. Um, so it, I think it'll be a great conference and I'm excited to welcome folks to Spokane. Yeah, that sustainability office of one, I think is huge. We work with a lot of people that, you know, it always starts with one big champion and it has grown larger, but sometimes you're, you're on an island and it may seem like you're, you're by yourself. So good networking and go to figure out how to make a big impact. Hey, one more fun fact, Jim. I know that you are big on alternative modes of transportation, and I think on a daily basis, you're all about figuring out ways to use that. I, I read a story at Gonzaga about scooters. So anything you want to share about that? How has that worked for the campus and, and any uh, interesting alternative modes of transportation stories? Um, yeah, scooters are the new thing. Um, I think even just in the last year, you've seen uh, bike share turn, in, turn into wheel share or scooter share, um, and they're everywhere. Uh, so it's been a fun experience in kind of transportation planning. Um, we did a pilot with Lime and the city uh, last uh, fall and then kind of took a break for the winter and the city had to figure out some legislative pieces about helmets and you know where scooters should and shouldn't be and then they came roaring back um late spring and they've been on campus and in our community ever since and there've been hiccups like there have been in, in every um, instance of when there's something new um, but it's been great to, to have a new source of mobility that is um, often right outside your door and right where you need it to be. Um, and we've done some things to make it a little more palatable for our campus. Like we've actually throttled the speed down to seven miles an hour, which after going 15 miles an hour on a scooter, it seems like you're crawling, but it's Oh faster. man, I know. Students can't be fired up about that, Jim. No, no, they definitely can't. Uh, have races on the fourth floor of our administration building anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Well, so we always like to end this show with uh, tips and advice that you would give to other sustainability leaders, whether they're at higher ed institutions or at um, corporate campuses. So if you had to bottle up all of your knowledge and distill it into three pieces of advice, what would that be? Good question. Um, I would just say that all of us in this field are incredibly wise um, because we got into the work. Um, someone needs to do it and that's us. Uh, but I think we're always bombarded by information um, from different directions. 
And I guess my advice would be an invitation to just take a deep breath and um, rest and find comfort in the wisdom that you have that you share with students, with customers, and with colleagues every day. Um, there's always this push, I think, for more. Um, and I think we fail to recognize and see that we already have what we need. So um, I don't think that's an invitation to be complacent. I think it's an invitation to be confident and sure of um, your practice of sustainability because it's, it's, I'm pretty sure, even though I don't know anyone I'm talking to right now, it's a, it's a good and valid practice of sustainability. So there Absolutely. you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jim. It's always so fun chatting with you. Um, Likewise. Thanks for coming on our show. I hope to have you back real soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you at Aishi. Yes. Excited. Well, can't for bound. Can't wait for this uh, get together. Yeah. So for all of the listeners out there, we will be at Aishi. Um, Lucid will have a booth at the show. We'll also have a couple of different speaking um, sessions. So be sure to look out for those on the agenda. Uh, and of course, our happy hour. So uh, feel free to reach out to us if you'd like to be included on that. You can meet us and Jim. Um, so go ahead and email me at marketing at lucidDG.com if you would like to uh, be sent an invite. For all of you listening out there, thanks again for tuning in to the Modern Energy Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show. It's available on all podcast platforms. And if you'd like to be on the show, feel free to email me at marketing at lucidDG.com. We would love the opportunity to have you on the show to share your stories and ideas with our audience. Until then, we'll see you next week where we'll be back with more great modern energy management stories for you. Take care.